Welcome to the Rehope Podcast. Before we dive into this week's message, we'd like to provide you with some helpful resources. If you'd like someone to pray for you, it would be our joy to connect with you. So please email us at prayer at rehope.co.uk. If you'd like to get connected with an online Bible read-through group from wherever you are in the world, you can email brt at rehope.co.uk and be a part of a small group of people reading through the Bible cover to cover each year. Finally, if you would like to support the work and ministry of Rehope financially, you can do so online at rehope.co.uk slash giving. We pray you find this message encouraging, enlightening, and helpful. Enjoy. Friends, today is a very exciting day, a day for celebration. We've come together to celebrate, and uh, it's going to be wonderful, so wonderful. Uh, we, to be fair, we have been celebrating a bunch of Jesus this weekend, and my voice has taken an absolute battering. Um, over the last little while, just give it another one. And uh, today we're going to be celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, and part of that is looking forward to Jesus' return. And the thing um, that I've got fresh appreciation for, um, for Jesus' return, when, when we're all like restored and like resurrection bodies and all that, when we've got eternity to sing our praises to God, that my larynx is going to last for all of that. So excited. So excited. Friends, we celebrate the Jewish um, calendar. We celebrate Jesus' fulfillment in particular of the Jewish festivals. And I mean, I guess like we do that thing, lots of places, Easter, Jesus is risen, all that stuff, very much alive. Love that. Pentecost, I mean, Jesus returned to heaven, but he sent his spirit to be with us. Um, love that. And the Feast of Tabernacles is maybe like a bit of a sleeper hit to be fair, um, within um, Christian circles, but it's, it's so good. And, and that's when we look forward um, to Jesus Christ um, returning um, in glory to bring his people home. And that's really something, really something to celebrate and look forward to. Uh, today we're gonna be looking back so we can look forward. And we'll be looking back to see like where the Feast of Tabernacles came from so that we can look forward and celebrate with great joy what is coming up in the future. Those will be good times. Um, but before we get there, I would love to bless you in the name of Jesus to know Jesus even more wonderfully today. I bless you to receive healing in your body, in your mind, in your emotions, and in your spirit today. And I bless you with guidance and help from God so that you can prevail and flourish like now in this season that you find yourself in, no matter what challenges you find yourself facing. And I bless you to experience the love the peace, the hope, and especially the joy of Jesus Christ today. Friends, may it be, and for real, I especially bless you with joy today. This celebration is officially the most joyful celebration of the whole Jewish calendar, and it's one that comes with uh, like instruction to be joyful. We can find these words in Deuteronomy 16. says, you must observe the festival of shelters, the festival of feast. Okay, whatever word you want to use there, or sometimes you see the booths, the festival of booths, festival of tabernacles, feast of booths, feast of shelters. It's got a bunch of names, but um, a rose by any other name would smell as joyful. Good times, you must observe the festival of shelters for seven days at the end of the harvest season after the grain has been threshed and the grapes have been pressed. This festival will be a happy time of celebrating with your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, and the Levites, foreigners, orphans, and widows from your towns. 
for seven days, you must celebrate this festival to honor the Lord your God in the place that he chooses. For it is he who blesses you with bountiful harvests and gives you success in all your work. This festival will be a time of great joy for all. Yo, great joy for all. Like they're not playing here. It's gonna be great joy for all. And I love that. Because there are quite a few things um, in Judaism that are kept in house. And some things that there's like a specific instruction in the Old Testament that's like, this is just for us. Don't share it with the foreigner in your gates. Other things, it's like, yes, bring them into this. Feast of Tabernacles is one of those things that gets to be shared by everyone. And I kind of find that a little bit surprising, I guess, because it has like pretty Jewishy roots that are like pretty specific to its context and for the Jewish people. And the story of God's people, like even from before um, the period of time where God's people were uniquely the Jewish people, like the story of God's people is a story of going like in and out, um, yum. Um, you know the story, you've already heard it from Fiona today, um, that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth and that included the people and it was class and God and people had a special thing going on in the garden and they started off in, they were in the garden, God's special people, had that special place to live, a place to receive special blessing from him as they lived there together with their special God. Special God for special people living together in a special place for special blessing. Let's hang on to that. It's going to be important for later. So the people did start off in the garden, good times, but then they made a choice to move away from God and his ways and a consequence of that was that they didn't get to be in the special place anymore, bad times. And this kind of starts the whole like overarching storyline that we see in the Bible of how God is going to prove that he is supreme over all beings, like be they spiritual or um, physical beings, he's supreme over all of them. And he's gonna prove that by restoring um, those four things, um, it seems that I've only put three of them on the screen, my humblest apologies. Um, he's gonna restore those things, including the special place bit. God has a plan to restore those things and he's gonna do it. And um, we had been thinking um, about a few examples over the summer of like looking back to look forward whenever we were thinking about the dudes that are mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. And we briefly mentioned Abraham in that as we familiarized ourselves with the context of the passage. But Brian has been drawing us to think about Abraham a little bit more closely in the last few weeks. And he pointed out um, this like same passage, like Hebrews 11 verses eight to 10, says it was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave his home and go to another land that God would give him as an inheritance. Yo, a special place, I love that. And he went without knowing where he was going. And even when he reached the land God had promised him, he lived there by faith for he was like a foreigner living in tents. And so did Isaac and Jacob who inherited the same promise. Abraham was confidently looking forward to a city designed and built by God, a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Love that. God kicked his plan into the next gear with these promises to Abraham. And we can see that this passage is that there is a feeling of something left unfinished here. Like it's really good, but there's something left unfinished. Because Abraham, like he's got the promise, he did the thing, 
but he's living like a foreigner in the special place. He lives in tents, as do the generation that comes after him. And Abraham knew that like, his situation wasn't the final product and the end result and fulfillment of God's promises. Instead, he was looking forward to those promises being fulfilled in their entirety. And those promises, by the way, they seem pretty familiar to us. They are that. Like, God is going to be Abraham's special God. He's going to make Abraham the star of a special people. And he is going to give him a special place to live. And I forgot to put up there, how dare I, how very dare I. Um, God is going to bless everybody ever through Abraham. It's going to be a special blessing. God promised all that good stuff for Abraham. And those things sound pretty familiar, sounds pretty gardeny to me up in here, good times. And God has a plan and he's carrying it out through Abraham, but he's nowhere near done. And as we follow the biblical narrative, um, we can see that God is not done and things work out. And even like it kind of looks like they're moving away from these promises being fulfilled, like God's people end up in Egypt. And to be fair, that wasn't a surprise. God told Abraham that that was going to happen in Genesis 15. So when it happened, it happened. And I mean, it started off like actually good, it started off good. Um, but during their time in Egypt, God's people were enslaved and God was not okay with that, not even a little. So he set them free. Are you feeling dizzy yet? <laughs> they're in the garden and they're out of the garden. Then it's like, hey, Abraham, do you want to come back to this place? And they're back in and then they're back out in Egypt and they're out. Again, it's in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. And this point in the story where the people are set free and they're moving back through the desert towards the promised land, this is really significant for the whole big story and it's really significant for the Feast of Tabernacles. And um, the people who um, start celebrating the Feast of Tabernacles, who receive the instruction that we just read in Deuteronomy chapter uh, 16, they're on their way back to the land that God promised Abraham so that those promises could, I guess, get on back, back on track and reach fulfillment. And God gave them the instructions. And the first time God talks about the Feast of Tabernacles is in Exodus 23, verse 16. He doesn't call it that. He, he says, finally celebrate the festival of the final harvest at the end of the harvest season when you have harvested all the crops from your fields. Cool. And then he gets some more details in Leviticus chapter 23. And it says, remember that this seven-day festival to the Lord, the festival of shelters, begins on the 15th day of the appointed month after you have harvested all the produce of the land. The first day and the eighth day of the festival will be days of complete rest. On the first day, gather branches from magnificent trees, palm fronds, boughs from leafy trees and willows that grow by the streams, and then celebrate with joy before the Lord. For seven days, you must observe this festival to the Lord for seven days every year. It's a permanent law for you, and it must be observed at the appointed month from generation to generation. For seven days, you must live outside in little shelters. It sounds so cute, doesn't it? Live in little shelters. And all native-born Israelites must live in shelters. And this will remind each new generation of the Israelites that I made their ancestors live in shelters when I rescued them from the land of Egypt. I'm the Lord your God. Okay. Tents, shelters, booths, tabernacles. 
sometimes called different things. And this festival is actually called Sukkot. Um, we translate that um, differently depending on the translation. Uh, Sukkot is many, uh, Asuka is one thing, and everybody is living in their own little sukkah, just like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob did, just like the generation who went through the desert did. When you celebrate this festival, you build yourself a little sukkah and you live in it for a week. And part of this festival's deal is to live in that sukkah for a week and look back and remember. And that command is a permanent thing. So some Jewish people still follow this today. And you'll see things like this sukkah um, pictured up here on the screen. And something to note about this, and uh, for the benefit of those in podcast land, um, there's no door on that sukkah. It's open. And the roof is made out of branches from and leaves of trees. And that's important because part of the tradition is to be able to see the stars through the roof. It's to be able to be open and be outside, be able to see the stars, because you're remembering that Abraham was promised to be the star of that special people who would be as numerous as those stars that you can see through the roof of your sukkah. And the shelter is built in such a way as to be a physical reminder of the promises of God for the Jewish people across the ages as they celebrate this festival. That's really fun. That's like just a little fun little detail. I love that. And it should be fun. It's a joyful occasion. The looking back, um, Jewish people do, is to try to get into the mindset of the Exodus generation. And um, to be fair, that generation did more than its fair share of complaining. We're not trying to get into that. We're not thinking, oh man, things were so lousy back there in that desert. Oofed. We had to live in these huts that we built out of sticks and things. Yo, it was grim. Like, no, that's not the mindset they're trying to get into. They celebrate with great joy. Looking back, getting into the mindset of that Exodus generation by thinking we were rescued. God promised things and we saw him do it with our own eyes. And he did it for us. Plus, there is more to come. So as we see, the Jewish people have celebrated the Feast of Tabernacles throughout the ages, and there is a looking back aspect in that. And there for sure is also a looking forward aspect to it. And so far, the story has been very, very transient, like um, the Jewish people have had a transient existence so far in the story. Um, transient is all get out, and then I'll get back in again, and then I'll get out again, and then I'll get back in again. And it's crazy. And like we were singing earlier about God's faithfulness and like stability and steadiness. Yo, the Jewish people are not experiencing like their own stability and steadiness. So transient. But God doesn't call his people to, to be like that, to live like that. He promised them a place of stability and like being faithful with them in that. And um, God's people don't belong in tabernacles. Tabernacles are a temporary thing, something they were gonna do for a time. And Abraham got it, and the writer of the Hebrews let us know that he got it, because Abraham knew he was living in a tent for now, but that he was confidently looking forward to a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. The Feast of Tabernacles remembers the journey from Egypt to the promised land, the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. But look, Abraham knew that the promised land wasn't the end of the story. It's a special place for sure, a place of blessing for sure, but not the end of the story. Because in the Hebrews are not talking about tents and camps, you know, they're talking about a city 
not talking about a movable, temporary dwelling. They're talking about foundations, eternal foundations, no less. So there's got to be more to the Feast of Tabernacles than the tabernacles, even more. There's got to be stability. There's got to be more belonging. There has to be more than even the geographical place that they're going to, to settle. And all that stuff is good and all that stuff is fun and all that stuff is worth remembering and celebrating. And I'm sure that the Exodus generation were really looking forward to having a field to plant a thing in to harvest after being enslaved and like going through a desert when there's commands about like, leave your house and live in a sukkah for a week. And they're like, yeah, cool. I can do a week, but you're saying I get a house. Tell me more about this house. They see the blessing and they're like, yeah, cool. I'm ready. I'm ready to do. I'm ready to do this. There's got to be more to the Feast of Tabernacles than the Tabernacles. There's got to be more than just the land. It's good that they have a permanent place. But when they get to that permanent place, the evidence would suggest that there's got to be something better than this. Because when the people get to the promised land, you know, sometimes things go good and sometimes things go bad. Classic. And sometimes the people act like special people should, namely they put God first. And when they're not acting like that, they are very not acting like that. And sometimes a special blessing is on them and sometimes they don't act like they deserve that blessing and that blessing is removed from them. And the special place gets removed from them and they're in exile. And can you imagine how crushing it would be to have all of this like held up and like God, my special God, I'm a special person, I will have this place. And then that gets taken away from you and all that great joy for all people feels like it's got removed from you. Because when we are relying on people's faithfulness, we end up in big trouble. We need more than people level faithfulness because we're pretty turbulent and transient at the best of times. Humanity has proven across its existence that it's not wonderfully to be relied upon and we need something more than just us trying to remain faithful and we got more and we got it in Jesus. John chapter 1 tells us the word, that's a not so secret code name for Jesus, and the word became human and made his home among us. And that made his home bit. Like the way that John put that when he was writing was the word became human and tabernacled among us. And I just find this so juicy. Like I'm probably gonna go into dork mode just now, but like humor me for a minute. And even like singing and um, what we were singing earlier, earlier. My Jesus, my savior, you sing like he's my shelter. Like he is our tabernacle. I was just like, oh, I just love it. I just love it. I just, and there's not, there's not a filler lyric in that whole song. Maybe Darlene wasn't thinking about that when she wrote it, but yo, there's not a filler, filler lyric in that whole song. So I, 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 I back Darlene to have thought of that for sure. Listen, Jesus' class, he really is. And there's so much goodness in this. I love how Jesus came down here as a human. And when he did, it was like tabernacle settings, man, like pure temporary. And um, he's gonna do it for a time, but it's so relatable. Like Jesus just becomes instantly relatable because everybody in the story had tabernacled. The people had tabernacled, God tabernacled. And Jesus is a person and he's God and he tabernacles. So relatable, love that, so fun, so, so fun. 
Jesus tabernacles because he's going somewhere else. Like it's movable and temporary. And in the human season of Jesus' eternal existence, Jesus kind of like represents like all of humanity. He's our representative and our prototype in that. And he journeys through life in his humanity tabernacle and he's heading for a city with eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God, a city that he built and he is faithful enough to do it. And the Jewish people get it. Like they know that the promised land isn't the answer in its entirety. And some things that they do in this festival celebrate that and it kind of gives the game away that they know that there is something coming up as well. So those branches in, on the roof of the sukkah in our picture give us a little hint as to something else that the sukkah represents, but we get an be even better clue from a practice that they do um, with those branches and like this fruit that's pictured up in here called a citron. looks a bit like a lemon, but it, it's distinct. And um, when, I was, um, when I was a teacher, I wound up uh, teaching for a placement in Scottsdale Primary and I had like a little mini um, little mini topic that I had to teach and it was on the Festival of Tabernacles and I was just like, yo, give me this. And it was, it was great and like um, we paper crafted some palm branches and it was lovely and I brought in a lemon because that's as close as I could get to a citron and I got the kids to take turns like practicing a Jewish Feast of Tabernacles um, practice where like you shake the branches and the lemon the, the citron, we had a lemon, in all directions. And that symbolizes that God is all around us. And that's what I taught them. It sim this symbolizes that God is all around you. That's what some Jewish people believe. And they were like, oh, that's cute. And it is, it's, it's true. And it is a nice sentiment and everything, but there is so much more to this. Like when we look back and we look forward, you know, living in a sukkah for a week and looking back, yes, good. Remembering the promises, at least partially fulfilled, living in a sukkah for a week and looking forward to the promise's ultimate fulfillment when God is like all around them and there's no separation. Jewish people are looking like not just to like a, a geographic place, they're looking for the, res the restoration of the special thing that the special God had going on with special people in that special place and the place where that relationship and blessing was felt most strongly was in the garden. Like they want God and God is going to restore that thing that he had with people in the garden. So they're building a shelter for themselves, sure. To remind themselves of going through the desert, sure. Yes, that is part of it. But part of it is looking forward and they're like building all of this like nature into it and they're building themselves a little mini garden to remember like God is all around me, someday everything is going to be restored and God and people will dwell together. And that is going to 100% happen when, according to my Christian fundamentalist beliefs, Jesus Christ of Nazareth returns, takes his great power and begins to reign. And Revelation 21 tells us how wonderful that is gonna be. John says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them. And he wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All the things are gone forever. That special God and his special people 
living together in a special place and there is special blessing for everyone in his presence. Everything is going to be fulfilled and put right on that great future day. So we celebrate looking forward to that great future day. And we do look forward to that great future day when Jesus Christ of Nazareth returns, takes his great power, begins to reign and stands ready, according to First uh, Peter chapter four, ready to judge the living and the dead. And his judgments are fair and righteous, according to Revelation 19. He can be trusted to do that. And for all those people who are found in Jesus' book of life, will be welcomed into that special place, that city with eternal foundations to make their home with God. When he returns in glory and brings his people home, there is a welcome. If you have given your life to Jesus, this is an absolute concrete nailed on reality for you, that you will be as a special person to God with him, your special God in that place, and you will be blessed in his presence. Yo. If you haven't given your life to Jesus yet, this is for you. This is on offer for you. Belonging, stability, love, salvation, hope, happiness, joy are all offered to you by God, can I give some advice? Take it, take it. He's good to you. He loves you. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, or maybe you want to recommit your life to Jesus, and maybe you've been wandering for a minute, and you feel like you want to make a recommitment in this time. And friends, can we close our eyes for a second and just like create a, a safe space for everybody, and if you would like to um, commit your life to Jesus for the first time, if that's something that you know you need to do, if you would, or if you would like to recommit your life to Jesus, um, you can pray a little prayer just in the quietness of your own heart. I'm gonna pray it out loud. You can hear it, receive it, and just pray it in the quietness of your own heart and say, Jesus, I haven't been treating you right. I haven't honored you. I haven't honored you in what I've said. I haven't honored you with what I've done. I haven't honored you with what I've thought. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. I commit or I recommit my life to you. Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. I receive your hope. I receive your belonging. I receive your joy. Thank you for saving me. I dedicate the rest of my life to following you. From this day forward, it's me and you. Help me to do that. Amen. Friends, still with your eyes closed, keeping that safe space. And would you mind popping a hand up if you prayed that with me? Everybody's eyes are closed, but like just so I can see, if you, if you prayed that along with me, can you pop your hand up? That's great. Thank you, friends. You can pop your hands down um, and uh, you can open your eyes.
Look, when St. Paul was writing uh, his letter to the lads in Rome, um, he said to them, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And if you prayed that prayer along with me today, um, I recommend following uh, Paul's examples and his instructions there and telling someone. And my advice uh, would to be to tell the dudes at the back during our response time, um, there's gonna be a prayer team up in this back corner um, go and tell them and say, like, I, I committed my life for the first time or I recommitted my life and they'll, they'll bless you. They will be delighted to bless you. Um, really good. There's power in telling. Um, big, big, big advice to do that. Cool. And before we go into a time of response, I have a challenge for you and I believe in you, my dudes. I believe that you have got what it takes to do this challenge. And the challenge is to stay and feast with us today. I believe in you. This festival is a time for great joy for all people, all types of people. We would love for you to celebrate with us if you're a guest. Um, please stay, please, please, please. Um, we have got plenty of food and we plan for guests to be here and we would love for you to stay and feast with us. We are having carnitas um, like, the, like the Jewish forefathers would have. But the Lord said, um, all, all, all foods are clean, so carnitas it is. Great, and uh, Jamie and I um, handmade, I think, 210 tortillas for you. And we have tried zero of them, so I hope they're good. <laughs> um, but thank you for agreeing to be our taste tester. I appreciate you. Friends, we're going to move into a time of response in just uh, one moment. Um, Fiona's going to come up and guide us through that. Um, if you would stand, um, I'll pray for you for just a quick second. And um, yeah, let, let's stand together. Let's stand together. God, I bless you and I bless uh, the work of your hands. Uh, God, I pray a blessing of great joy for all people, like all people everywhere to know your joy. But I pray a blessing over all people here to know you, to appreciate what you do, looking back on the things that you've done with great joy, looking forward to the things that you're gonna do with great joy. You are wonderful, supreme over all things. No one even gets close. Be honored, be glorified, be blessed. Wonderful in all your ways, amen, amen.